Welcome to the Healing Space, Black and Queer Mental Health Podcast, geared toward proving there's more than one way to heal. I am your host, Sensei Raven Akundayo. It's been a long time. I shouldn't have left you without a... <laughs> What's good, Misfit Universe? Uh, it has indeed been a long time. So long that I actually forgot how to do a lot of this stuff to set up the podcast. Um, first of all, I had forgotten the password to my laptop because I haven't used it since the spring. Uh, it took me about three days to remember my password. Then once I remembered it, I guess because my laptop had been down for so long, it had like a thousand updates it needed to do. So it took a couple of hours for me to be even able to touch my laptop. Then once that started, there were several things I forgot how to do in uh, my software to edit the podcast. It's been a lot. It's been a lot. Um, I am recording this part of the pod- podcast at almost 2 a.m. in the morning. Uh, I don't miss this. <laughs> I can say that much. Uh, but I have missed all of you. I've missed all of you a lot. Uh, so happy to be back with my Misfit Universe. I want to hurry and get this out the way. Uh, for those of you who have specific parts of this episode that you would like to listen to, remember that there are markers, uh, chapter times that you can go to. Uh, it's made easier with uh, apps like Spotify and Overcast because you can actually go into the description of the episode and click directly on the chapter times. Uh, with other apps, it's a little harder because it'll show you where to go, but you have to do it by hand. You have to take the cursor and actually move it over to the time. Uh, so you know, a little bit of a um, a little bit of assistance there as far as what app you may want to use if you really want to skip ahead. Uh, but with that out the way. Um, yeah, my, my time away was much needed. Uh, I'm doing okay. You know, uh, I hope you all are as well. I received a lot of love, a lot of love from people when, uh, I took my time off after I made my episode called Respite. I even had people still coming to me the beginning of this month, letting me know they had listened to the episode. I talk about the numbers a little bit later at the end during good news. I talk about the uh, the numbers compared to past episodes, but I'll just say thank you. Thank you. I, I didn't know that respite would touch people the way that it did. Um, just speaking my truth. Uh, so I'm glad that my truth spoke to all of you as well. And I am aware that my truth is also the truth for others. And I just hope that you are taking the time to show up for you. Uh, I had to have a laugh because the last time I talked to all of you in the Misfit universe, I had talked about how um, I think at the time was I no, I hadn't moved into a new position yet. No, I think this was all, okay, I didn't say this to you all. This was a video that I had made on Facebook. I think I had come back to give everyone an update on how I was doing or something like that. And at the time, I had moved into a new position and had gotten off my meds, something like that. Well, I'm back on my meds again, and I am not happy in my new position. (laughs) It's funny how the world works. 
Uh, but yeah, my uh, my therapist was like, you know, that your doctor shouldn't have told you to just cold turkey stop your meds. That's not how that works. So, you know, she's like, we need to wean you off of it. So that's where I am right now on that journey. Uh, and as far as my work, I'm not in my passion anymore. You know, like, of course, me, I have my life coaching that I do outside of my nine to five. But as far as my nine to five, I was also doing life coach work with my young adults, my um, my homeless youth. And well, you know, we have uh, an ILP program, independent living. So they're not homeless once they come to us. But you know what I mean? Um, I took a step away from there because I felt like I needed to show up for me a little bit more. So I figured I would give myself, you know, maybe one or two years of this position where I'm in an office, you know, on the phone, separated from people. So I was like, okay, maybe I need that peace, especially with where I am right now with my anxiety and everything. You know, this position actually like has taken my anxiety to a whole other level. Real talk. Like... It's the first time I think in my adult life that I've walked into a place dreading it every single day. And I'm like, at 41 years old, this isn't life, you know? So uh, there are some decisions that need to be made. There are some major decisions coming in the next few months. Uh, but I know that I can't be in this space where I'm unhappy, you know? Um, I can miss, I, I mean, not I can miss my kids. I miss my kids, but the uh, the program doesn't look the way it did when I left. Mind you, it's only been a month and in a month's time, the program looks completely different. And with the exception of one person, none of the people that were in the program when I was there is still there. Everyone left. So I don't really feel like I can go back to it because without the, the right team, the right staff in place, I don't think that we can do what we need to do for those kids. So it may be time to look for greener pastures. You feel me? Um, or the universe could be saying it's time for you to once again step out there and do your own thing, Raven. Who knows? Uh, but I can say that a couple of days ago, I had this uh, glimmer of sunlight that shone through a lot of the darkness that has been surrounding me. Negative darkness. Let me make sure I state that. Negative darkness that has been surrounding me lately. And just that one little ray of sunshine that one little ray of sunshine and i knew that something major is coming you ever feel that way misfits you ever feel like there's something like really major that's going to happen in your life and it's not like it's something that you thought of every day you know you may have been in the muck and mire of your sadness and despair and then out of nowhere it's like wow where did that come from like i'm gonna be good like real talk i'm gonna be good and you know it was it was it was fleeting it didn't stay for a really long time but it pierced me in such a way that it provided me with the necessary injection of hope that i needed and so i'm okay i'm okay i don't know what the rest of the year has in store for me but i do know i'm going to do a much better job of showing up for myself in the months to come and I'm not going to allow myself, which I talk about later on in good news as well. I'm not going to allow myself to like, what's the best way that I can put it? 
my therapist has been working with me on control that's something i talk about later on in good news <laughs> this is the thing with when you record things out of order i'm like i want to talk about it now but i actually talk about it later but me and control i don't know if it's a scorpio thing um but i or if it's just a raven thing but i have been someone that likes control my entire life uh i I, especially, you know, when it comes to substances and things of that nature, I'm very measured in everything I do because I don't like the idea of not having control. I can't get drunk because then I won't have control, you know, can't use drugs because I won't have control. So in learning how to be a little bit more free, loose, you know, not as uh, structured, I don't know what that's going to look like. Um, <laughs> but I do know in certain instances, it's worked out, you know, something I don't talk about later so I can talk about it now is my therapist telling me, you know, she's like, just allow yourself to be. There was a point where I needed to take off work because uh, in this new position, mind you, just to give you an idea of what this last month has been like at the beginning of was it the big middle? I started the new position in August, so it's been almost two months. Okay, almost two months about. Two weeks into that new position, I end up having a major anxiety attack and I had to have an emergency session with my therapist. She was like, here's the deal. Um, take off tomorrow. So it would have been a Friday. I took off Friday and Monday. She was like, you need time for just you. And when I say you need time for just you, do not show up for anyone else in the next few days. Only show up for you. She said, eat whatever it is you want <laughs> and i'll never forget she said this specifically and it stuck out so much she said i want you to eat some ice cream and if i have to i will order it through instacart and have it delivered to your house but i want you to have fun and not stress about anything and that that really meant a lot to me you know um and as i was waiting for another portion of the podcast to uh load after i finished editing it earlier um, a friend of mine on Instagram, I was looking at his stories and it was talking about um, the way that we stress over the way that we look. And it's like, listen, whatever it is that you want to eat, enjoy yourself. And I'm, I'm really getting deeper and deeper into that. Do I want to be in shape? Yes. And I mean, and I've said this before, I want to do it to be healthy. You know, but at the end of the day, I just want to be comfortable in my own body more and more with each day. I'm feeling to myself. I don't have I mean, I've I am in a loving relationship, so there isn't anybody that I need to impress outside of him. You feel me <laughs> like like I'm I'm good. And to be honest, I don't have to impress him. You know, all I have to impress is me. Love me impress me and I, I thought about that as it was coming out of my mouth i don't have to impress anyone it's my life do i think that i look good then that's all that matters you know like stressing about the outside world and the dangers of social media and what it is we see and what's put into us and i'm like i just want to be happy in my own skin I want to be able to do yoga poses and not run out of breath, you know. I want to be able to go running and jogging and be completely good with that. 
I want to feel, you know, I want to be able to stretch and not, you know, randomly feel like something's going to pop out of socket or something of that nature. I'm just saying stuff now. But <laughs> but as long as I am physically healthy, that's all that really matters to me. So when she said that, it was very refreshing to hear because sometimes you just need somebody in your life to say to you, just be, just be. And so that's what I'm working on now is just being. I don't know what that's going to look like, <laughs> but I will put that out to the misfit universe. Work on just being. See what that will look like for you. You know, it's not like if you decide to just be wonderful, things can't still happen for you. As a matter of fact, it may be an uh, I won't say an easier road, but it may be a more peace filled road. If you allow yourself to just be and not stress over every single thing, you know, and so that's my journey for the remainder of the year. I call this the year of uh, this is the year of lessons, right? Listen, after I left social media, all that stuff went out the window. <laughs> I think this is the year of lessons. <laughs> And that is a lesson that I'm learning is just being, just being. So, yeah, I didn't even say this at the beginning of the episode. My God, I am 13 minutes in and this is the four year anniversary of THS podcast. This episode airing on the 22nd of November, nope, of September 2001. And I'm not editing any of this. <laughs> Listen, like I haven't done an episode of THS podcast since May, you know, um, I've done episodes of Wrestling While Black. I've done episodes of uh, Keep Firing, but with both of those, Rob and Daryl respectively edit those shows. You know, that's not me. Um, so this is me by myself doing the healing space. So, you know, just love on a brother. <laughs> I hope you all understand that I'm just happy to be back and everything isn't going to be perfect and it doesn't have to be. And that's why I'm laughing because I'm just like, I'm loving, I'm loving that this isn't the Raven that left in May. You know, the Raven that would have left in May. I mean, the Raven that left in May, if he was the one doing this episode right now, I would be having a fit about all like listen when you listen to this episode full transparency at the end of this episode i had still had the ac on and there is a hum that drove me crazy when i went back and listened to it i didn't have to share that with you guys because now y'all are probably gonna hear it but <laughs> i was like i'm not gonna stress it you know i'm not gonna stress it um with our guest who i'm gonna talk about in a few seconds um with our guest i go back to listen to ours and it took me about an hour or a little over an hour to edit that part of the episode because we had errors on skype because of the wi-fi all this stuff now i took those out because listen i can only do but <laughs> i can only do but so many mistakes and mess ups from <laughs> like okay that's enough but i say all of that to say that i am not looking for perfection i and i'm not going to stress myself about making sure that everything looks and sounds exactly how it's supposed to i can't do that anymore and shout out to everyone who can we're all very different but right now where i am in my life 
I have to manage my anxiety, you know? I have to manage my stress. And however, I have to show up for it while still moving forward in my purpose and my passions is how I'm going to do it. And so, like I said, uh, I was going to talk about our guest. I am honored to have on the four-year anniversary episode of THS Podcast, my brother, Travis Case. I am really happy to have him on here. He is a voice actor, a content creator, and co-creator of Mason Diction. He also hosts his own podcast called On Topic, Off Topic. And uh, I've been a big supporter of this brother for years now. When I had my open mic called Storytellers back in the day, um, he and his partner, and this is a black and queer podcast let me make sure i'm i'm very clear when i say that he is a cishet brother so when i say partner i mean like what would you call them his rhyming partner or whatever um they were called the terrapins and if you're from maryland that makes sense to you but uh, but yeah the uh the two of them came and performed at storytellers and that was my first time being introduced to him and we have you know kept in contact via social media ever since and an extremely intelligent brother extremely and he is uh he is someone who believes in the red pill you know and i appreciate that about him we all have an option on a daily basis of which pill we're going to take the blue or the red and i appreciate that he is a huge proponent of the red as i am and so i hope that you all enjoy the conversation that we're going to have um it is my first time doing culture of pop in a way that seems almost like an interview <laughs> the culture of pop is usually either myself or bhw whoever my guest co-host is but the culture of pop this time has done more so like a specific segment for an interview as he and i talk about different things from lil nas x to uh black panther to michael k williams like we talk about a range of topics once again i want to stress that if you want to get to a specific area of conversation you can always make your way to the chapter times and click right on it but before that before that i want to take an opportunity to uh, introduce all of the misfit universe to an artist who i consider to be a friend and I actually went to him and asked him if he was okay with me playing a song by him. And he said that he would be totally okay with it. So before we go into my conversation with my brother, Travis Case, I'd like for you all to take a moment to listen to Soul and his song, Stir Crazy. Hope you all enjoy. Please pick up the phone, baby. Baby. To talk to you, this world is going so crazy. Yes, I'm going through. Cause I just wanna dance, I just wanna groove, I just wanna feel it. Yes, that is a move. Had enough of tears, fighting through my fears. I don't know if I'll make it, but I just need you near. This life is so ghetto. Feel it, yes, 
I'm good. I'm good. I was realizing before we uh, before we started to record when we were just talking that it's been a minute since we actually this isn't really face to face. This is still virtual. But as far as like conversing where we can see each other, it's been years. It's been a while. It's right. Been a while. <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting I was trying to think and I was like, with the exception of maybe if it was like a rare one off, if we saw somebody I mean, saw each other in the city or something. I feel like we haven't talked since we were at like an event or something like that, like a poetry event. No, it's it's it's, it's had to been at least two or three years before we were really <laughs> that 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 one on one time. I was about to say, I feel like you're being generous. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, so what's been going on with you? You know, like when I when I did the introduction leading into the conversation, I mentioned uh, Mason Diction, and what has the journey been like creating that and putting out content for that? Um, it's 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 been great. Um, I mean, as you know, you know, uh, me and Theo as the Terrapins, you mm -hmm. know, spoke word hip hop, you know, with the great brand of storytellers. You know, you were freeing many voices. You know, you guys were doing. Uh, great things of storytellers uh, back a little Thank back you. in the day. Um, it's it's been coming from you know hip hop and majority doing events now to um, having the podcast, the on topic off topic podcast, and also uh, Theo branching out into uh, photography and me becoming more of a um, voice actor now, voiceover artist, and also a content creator. And I've been doing that at least on the content creation side, roughly since 2014. Mm -hmm. And um, this, these new journeys, these new pathways have, have been great. That's good. That's yeah. And I, I don't, was I aware that you had a podcast? I'm going to need to make sure that I'm promoting that. Or maybe that was, maybe that was early on. Like, I know that I've been a supporter from the beginning, especially once you started Mason Diction. Um, speaking of which, I wanted to ask you, I feel like it's been a minute since I heard you. <laughs> it's been a minute since I heard your catchphrase. And I felt like that thing was going to be money. I was like, I haven't heard him say it in a long time. Oh, I'm, I'm in the, the bathroom. bathroom. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that thing was gold to me. I was like, oh my God. And I love that. <laughs> People have asked me to bring it back. Um, you know, because like I, I have, you know, everything on I Am Travis Case, you know, all, everywhere. And so since I've kind of done that new or my my alias, but my my actual name is Travis right, Kidd. right. I've done that. I kind of drop. I'm in the bathroom, but I think I'm going to bring that back. Yeah, man. Yeah, that was <laughs> the very first time I heard it. I was like, I hope he sticks with this because it will catch on, like for real. <laughs> so it makes me feel good that other people have asked you about it because when I started seeing, like, I'm go you know, as I said, I've been there from the beginning, watching what you've been doing, and as I've seen things grow. I've seen things, you know, like where it started off, you know, all of us were laughing with you and everything. And then I don't know if it was because you were getting more professional work or what, but you know, you kind of, you buttoned it up a little bit. You got more professional for us. 
And I was like, okay, he's he's legit. Like, he's like, no, this is a career. So as I saw that, I was like, I don't know if he felt like maybe he needed to kind of go away from that because he's branding who Travis Case is. But I was like, at the end of the day, bro, like no matter what, <laughs> that that thing is fire. Like, <laughs> I, I appreciate that. All of my friends even like, dang, I, I miss when you used to do reviews and you would say, I'm in the bathroom at the end. Like, come on, man, bring the bathroom back. So. It was like, you know, growing up when we would have those television shows and when they would go off, whoever produced the show or whatever, you know, they would have those catchphrases at the end. I mean, even now, like Ava DuVernay, um, like at the end of Queen Sugar and stuff like that, I forget what it is that it says, but it's like you, you have those things. And that's what that was to me. It was like, you know, you, you have those classic things where when you hear that, you know who it is. And that's what that was. So, as somebody who loves branding, that was like... For me like <laughs> like yeah 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 <laughs> i appreciate that so are you still doing the podcast um i'm not gonna lie me and theo need to get need to get back um to it as yeah. far as like, we, we have we have you know episode uh topics and ideas in the can but we have neglected it so we need we need to get back to it um like i said we've been focused mainly on uh, for example, Theo with his um, photography, yeah. um, he focused on, you know, that majority wise and me just on the, the content creation and, and voiceover. So, okay. So it's yeah. pretty much like, and, and that's one of the beautiful things about some, some duos, you know, or groups in general. A lot of times you feel as though, like, I don't know, are you, are you into wrestling? Um, I, you know what? I kind of stopped after a certain point but like okay. I, I came up in the the undertaker the rock stone cold era that's, i feel like that's most of us okay. um, <laughs> there's the uh there's a group called the new day um uh, brothers and one of the well not you know like biological brothers but black guys um and one of the things that i love about them is that they've been a group uh, i don't want to get the year wrong i feel like 2013 2014 maybe and they've never broken up and, you know, wow. like they've made it very clear to the WWE that they will never break up. I legit wow. feel like if they tried to do it, they'd probably leave the company because they're like, you're not because none of them got the recognition they deserved as solo wrestlers. But once they all came together, the three of them, they've had each other's back ever since. And yeah. so I love that they've gone off and they've become world champion. One of the guys just became world champion last week. And it's like hmm. the, the other two guys came running out, hugging them and all that stuff. And they're best friends in real life now because of that. So hmm. when I listen to what you said, as far as the two of y'all, I'm like, when true friendship is there, you can go off and do your own thing and you'll always find each other again, you know? Yeah. So it's yeah. like, and listening to what you were saying, I'm like, I don't have any, you know, concerns as far as, you know, even if you don't call yourself the therapist anymore, you know, just you and Theo, it's like, you can be sure that the two of y'all will always come back together because the friendship is genuine. You yes, feel me? Sir. Yes, sir. So what has the journey been like? Cause you know, you, you were talking about as far as what it is that you've done, the voiceover work and everything, what he has going on, but what has it been like creating what have been some of the ups and the downs of creating your own brand what you do with mason diction what you've been doing as far as the voiceover work for travis case what has it been like branding yourself um it's it hasn't been hasn't been perfect i mean to say the least like with with me beginning voiceover my my voiceover coach um stanley fisher he is a he's a taskmaster he, he's he, he's a real coach He's a great guy, but and me learning um, 
in training to be a voiceover artist, I had to encounter and deal with a lot of things, traumatic things from my past mm. um, that I had put under my bed and in the floorboards in order to bring out certain reads from me, wow. you know? Um, and that hasn't been easy. You know, there's been a lot of things I've had to wrestle with that I just were, were, were run, I was avoiding before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, even in therapy. And um, that has been great and, and bloody. I mean, it's like giving birth, you know, mm -hmm. I imagine, you know, uh, metaphorically it's been right. like giving birth. And um, that, 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 that has also been great. And also it has changed my voice awareness. Like I remember when you encountered me performing with Theo a lot, mm -hmm. a lot of my performances uh, were more lyric, lyric driven rather than being in the moment and, 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 and being the character of my piece. I was mm -hmm. so focused on being audible that I, I noticed myself screaming a lot. Right. You know, with voiceover, I just become more nestled into the moment, more nestled in, and embodied into the character and, 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 and serving the audience with the piece or whatever. Um, and, and creating content as well, like um, talking about, for example, one of my most recent videos, who is the best black TV mom or talking about Candyman or talking about, you know, uh, Denzel's best film or Spike Lee's mm -hmm. best film. This is stuff I've always wanted to talk about. Right. And Instagram and TikTok and YouTube have given me the space, place and time to uh, be the, the kid I was growing up in the 90s. And like, these are the questions I've always asked people um, in private, you know yeah, what I yeah. mean? And in group conversations. But now that I have a camera, now that I have Adobe Premiere, now that I have all of these tools at my disposal, I can do all of these things I've always wanted to do. Yeah, that's real. That's real. So <clears throat> as far as your, as far as your voice, because, you know, I post you on my IG stories. And so the, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. The last one I posted, I got a lot of comments in my DMs about your voice. And oh. so I wanted to ask you, when did you know that your voice was different or a voice that people, you know, like were impressed by or if they gravitated towards it, things of that nature? Like at what point in your life did you realize you just, I guess, didn't have an, an ordinary voice? <laughs> uh, um, uh, also, I, I don't take it for granted you post my, my, my content on, on your stories. I sincerely appreciate that. My mom's friends, like when my voice dropped when I was around 12 or 13, they were like, man, you, you got a radio voice, you got a radio voice, you need to get into some kind of radio internship. And, um, you know, that kind of followed me here and there, but like, uh, that was kind of the first time I heard it. But yeah. since 2014, when I was creating my book reviews and my movie reviews, people over time, they were like, hey, Travis, I would pay you to read to me. I would pay you to read to me. Like, what would it take? For you to read this comic book what would it take for you to read this graphic novel to me and so which eventually how i found my voiceover coach you know wow. and so that, that that was basically the the journey in spurts i love that though i love that <laughs> what would it take <laughs> i will pay you to read <laughs> me. that's impressive <laughs> that's impressive like wh why won't you do it listen 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 i'm gonna hand you this comic book <laughs> I'm <gonna cash laughs> <you> the money <laughs> Or like, okay, during COVID, it's like, okay, listen, I'm gonna call you. <laughs> I'm gonna cash up you this money if you'll just read to me over the phone. We'll yes. be good to go. That's major. That's impressive. That's impressive. Yeah. 
<laughs> so earlier you had mentioned, you know, metaphorically the idea of giving birth. And, you know, I had these topics set up in a, you know, particular way, but I felt like that was a great segue. So I was like, okay, well, let's use that. There are several topics that I shared with Travis Misfits that I wanted us to talk about. So of course, with this being the culture of pop and, you know, normally it would seem like there's an interview separate from the culture of pop, but I wanted to bring this all together because it's different topics that Travis has talked about himself on social media, on IG, on TikTok and things of that nature. So I just wanted to be able to pick his brain a little bit for the Misfit universe and for you all to get an idea of where he's coming from. And if you all may feel the same way or may not. So the first one I wanted to talk talk about, you know, as far as metaphorical pregnancy was Little Nas X. Okay. And I wanted to talk about what's going on with the latest release, because when we're recording this, the uh, four-year anniversary of The Healing Space, this is only a couple of days after he released his uh, first project, the full-length album anyway, called Montero. Mm -hmm. And the, the lead up to it, uh, he's great with marketing. <laughs> this yeah. young man is great. Yes, he's a genius. He is a genius. <laughs> and um, not only is he great with marketing, but he's really good at trolling, you know? Oh, my and God. He's good with trolling in a way that I feel as though back in the day, if this existed in the days of David Bowie or Prince or Madonna and things of that nature, I feel like they would have been the exact same way, you know? Yeah. Um, because people people like them, they did a really good job in their time of being able to troll in their own way, you know, by being like, this is who I am, you know? Prince is yeah. like, I could really give two shits. I'm putting Slave on my face. And <laughs> what is it you got to say about it? And that was tame. Slave was the tame version of Prince. You feel me? Um, yes. So in watching what it is that he's doing, one of the things he did as far as marketing was talking about giving birth. And yes. never, he never made it seem as though he was doing anything other than talking about the birth of his album. Yes. And the thing that I thought was so interesting about it was that we hear it all the time. Like you said, you didn't even, you, you said it because it was natural for you to make the comment. But that's yes. the way it's always been. With most artists that you talk about, it doesn't matter if it's painters or, you know, writers or anything. They they're birthing something, you know? Yes. This is yeah. something that they've been working on and they're going to give birth to it. So he was showing that to you in its physical form. And so that's why, and I, I just wanted to, you know, get your opinion on this. Why is it that you think it bothered people so much? Because for me, I even feel like a lot of the artists who came after him were people that if you were to go back into their memory Rolodex, you would also probably find a time, straight, gay, man, woman, where they mentioned birth of, you know, something that was coming out. So why do you think people felt as though they they disliked this or there was a need to attack him over it? I think it's plain and simple is because he's a gay man. He's mm -hmm. a gay brother. And um, in, this, in this era where marginalized people, hyphenated people, inter intersectionalized people, if that's even a term or a word, where we are kind of taking more autonomy over what we do and we have a lot more can we curse can i curse on here absolutely yeah when we have a lot more fuck it about what we do because mm -hmm. we own more of it now and we control more of it now and the information is more readily out there a lot of things i don't know if what little nas x is doing would have worked in the 80s or the 90s because mm -hmm. simply i don't think the industry would have been ready for it. We're barely ready for it now, to be right. honest. Right. <laughs> and I, I, 
I, I mean, I like you said, I think he is a master brander because in him showing it in the physical form, mm-hmm. it's a metaphor, but he also knows on another floor that that's going to bother people immensely. Yes. Right? And, and he knows <laughs> that, okay, you're talking about my album. You're talking about even, even to the billboards. I'm not sure if you saw the billboards that he's put up. Like, I think they were uh, specifically in L.A., Oh, I'm not sure if you can. I think. Yeah. I think it, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Cool. Okay. Yeah. The the billboards that he put up. Um, like, <laughs> are, are talk you, about talk about how you could be compensated. <laughs> you can be compensated. Like like I think one said, "Are you mad that I'm a gay man? You can be compensated. You're entitled <laughs> to compensation." Like that is ingenious because he is embracing the negative talk. He right. is playing with the fire instead of running from it, instead of trying to avoid it. He's yeah. fully embracing it and 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 trolling people with it. I, I just think it's genius. I think yeah. it's cool. Absolutely, absolutely. And <clears throat> uh, we're we're at this point now where, because of course, you know, like you said back in the day, there's a good chance a lot of this wouldn't have been possible. You see people like Alton John, who's on his album. He was only able to do but so much, you know? And of course it looked different for him because he's a white man. So when he made the decision that he was going to liberate his spirit, that's what I call coming out. When he mm. liberated his spirit, he was a grown, he was an adult white man, older white man by that point. When he was doing all of the really elaborate stuff in the seventies and early eighties, he wasn't out to anybody, you know? So yeah. it was like, you just thought that he was eccentric. And so when you look at Lil Nas X, what was it, maybe a year? Was it a year after Old Town Road or was it maybe a few months after Old Town Road that he decided to liberate his spirit? And it's like, you see how different it looked, you know? Yeah, Um, yeah. Back in the day, if Elton John would have done that, you probably would have gotten some white people that would have supported him. Or when he did, you did. But as far as black people, it's like, you know, hold up, all right. Where now... You have lots of people, especially black women, you know, who are like, we're not going to put up with all of these harassing things that you're doing towards them. But there's still a journey when it comes to cishat black men. You feel me? So there are people like you who don't blink. You're like, this is how I feel and this is what it is. And I'm blessed to know a lot of brothers like you. You feel me? But Mm -hmm. in the industry it's still something that we're struggling with. You have people like Kid Cudi who are like, tell me whatever you want me to do. Whatever you want me to do, Lil Nas, I'm going to do it because I'm going to make sure that I push you. You feel me? But yeah. then you have your boosies. And even though Baby, Lil, um, the Baby hasn't said anything specifically towards him, of course, there have been comments that he's made towards the queer community. Um, sure. So my question for you is, what do you think it's going to take for us to jump that particular hurdle. And before you answer, nothing's ever going to be perfect. You feel me? So sure. in every aspect of life, being black, we still struggle, you know? Yeah. So there yeah. is no perfection. There is no kumbaya, we all get along. But as far as getting over that hurdle of at least in the hip hop community, you see there's a somewhat overall consensus of, we good. You're an yeah. artist who happens to be gay. But you're talented and that's all that really matters. What do you think it's going to take for us to get there? I think empathy. And when I talk to, um, for example, I talk to some of my friends. First of all, it's it's the the biggest elephant in the room. A lot of black people are more conservative than they would like to believe and like to accept. Amen. I I have many friends who are really conservative leaning who I have to be like, okay, 
when we talk about people or celebrities like Little Nas X and the things that he may do to troll and promote his album, and also him just being himself, him just being the person who he is privately in the mirror, you gotta think about it. In yesteryear, even as cishet black men, there were times where the conversation was, oh, a Negro wants to be in baseball. Yep. Oh, a Negro wants to be in the NBA. A Negro wants to be the highest grossing movie actor. You know, right. like we were the conversation before our, our specific section. You know what I mean? And I'm like, okay, when you think about it and you be like, okay, at once I, I was the conversation, drag and drop that to someone else's struggle. I mean, yeah. like Little Nas X is in that conversation and he's in uh, his specific uh, 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 being a gay black man. He's in right. that conversation as well. So he has another hurdle that he has to deal with. Um, so I, I think, I don't know, I think empathy. I yeah. think empathy and also having conversations with people outside of your vacuum, outside of your bubble and being exposed and not being afraid of being wrong. And also when someone is wrong, course correcting them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, cause, cause again, I, I feel like we get on, get in these Twitter battles and we're kind of just out to assassinate, assassinate people's character and cancel yeah. them. But they don't ever learn. If anything, I think they just become more bitter and they apologize just so they can continue to make money. Yeah. They don't apologize because they've learned something or they're not educated now. They apologize so they can continue to keep their lights on. Am I right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's so that's so important what you just said, because that's true. I wouldn't even thought about mentioning that. That is very true. We exist in a society like and across the board. That's not even just, you know, since that people are doing that as far as queer people. That's men towards women. You know, it's like, OK, I don't want anybody coming after me. So let me go ahead and or, you know, somebody who's a Karen who they don't want anyone to know that they're a Karen. So let me go ahead and apologize to the black community now. So nobody comes and attacks me. You know, so that, that's a very, very, very good point. Thank you. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, yeah. As far as uh, marginalized people, we talk about women, we talk about our sisters and the beauty and, you know, the unfortunate, it's unfortunate that we're still having to say first, you know, in 2021, it's unfortunate that as black people, we're still having to say first. But for Nia DaCosta, she is yeah. the first black woman director to have a number one at the box office. And yeah. that is for Candyman. Mm -hmm. So, you know, while we celebrate that, it's also like, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could finally get away from these firsts? <laughs> and it, it can simply be what it is, you know? Mm -hmm. But I wanted to talk about the importance of telling black stories because we all know that the original Candyman was, uh, had a white director at the helm. You know, yeah. uh, and you could definitely see that it was from the white gaze uh, just by looking at the main character, you know. Uh, so all of these years later, having Nia DaCosta, you know, of course, Jordan Peele along with it as a producer and seeing what the story looked like from their point of view. What did that mean to you? And what does the first movie mean to you? What does the first movie mean to you now looking back? OK, I guess I'll take the latter first. OK. Um, when we, when we had a discussion at the Parkway, I'm, I'm kind of sad that it wasn't recorded, but we a lot of great points were brought up and the brother, I forgot his name, I believe his name is Tariq Nasir, he's a filmmaker. Mm -hmm. He brought up that, okay, we can look at Candyman 
um, the, the original in 1992, that lens, he said, if you look at it in that lens, that was a progressive movie for 1992. You know what I mean? With a black man like Tony Todd, who is an incredible horror actor, or actor just in general. Period. In general, yeah, yeah, yeah. Put that label on it. He's an incredible actor. For him to be at the helm of that film and Candyman, for all intents and purposes, on its service, on surface, Candyman is an incredible horror villain or anti-hero, however you want to chop him up. Mm -hmm. He's absolutely terrifying. But if you were to look at Candyman from the 2021 lens, looking back, that movie was supremely problematic. Supremely. <laughs> supremely. I mean, when you just think about, okay, you have this brother who I believe it was in the antebellum period or maybe a little bit after, afterwards. Um, he is, he falls in love with, with a white woman. Look, granted, love is love. Fall in love with you want to fall in love with. Don't come after me. <laughs> like, so, fall in love with you want to fall in love with, right? But he is brutally murdered. Mm -hmm. because he got you know the, the white woman pregnant but then for him to come back as this demon or this spirit to do all this manipulation of this white woman to try to force her to fall in love with him while he's terrorizing this black community is extremely problematic yes extremely, extremely like even as a demon in the afterlife he didn't even <laughs> learn his lesson like you got brutally <laughs> murdered you were brutally murdered for this the first time and you're doing it again what is wrong with you? <laughs> what is wrong with you? Did you learn nothing? <laughs> Did you learn? Did you learn anything? Um, and then you come back killing your people. That's the thing. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. He was terrorizing those, those the, the Cabrini Green projects. I mean, I know, I know in certain points he was in the suburbs, but he was definitely in them projects a lot. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, yeah and, and I get the, the former part of the question was about um, Nia DaCosta's version. I appreciate that Nia DaCosta's version is here. That is told from a black perspective because originally with, uh, I believe, um, the 1992 main character, I believe her name was Helen. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, she is literally an outsider coming into this black community, writing about it from a third person perspective, from an outsider's perspective, even though I believe Helen's heart was in the right place. She was yeah. doing with what what she had right um but I, I i love this movie in the sense the newer one in the sense that um for the plain and simple fact that all the black men in this film aren't evil you know right. I, I believe professor do i believe she works at ucla i think i think she's a horror and speculative fiction uh expert professor mm -hmm. she talks about how all the black men in the original are evil um and you have a lot of even though this cast isn't huge in the new one, but you have at least two or three different types of archetypes of black men. Yeah. You know, who are seemingly positive. Right. You know what I mean? Complex, but seemingly positive. Mm -hmm. And um, I enjoy just a beautiful black cast. Uh, there was a great point brought up in our talk at the part way that they wanted to see black some black love making. I mean, granted, like this was a um the, the, the love story, if you will, the love story section that was centered, um, you know, had Tiana Paris, Paris's and Yaya's character, we want to see those beautiful black people make some love. I mean, right. like, we saw some feet, we saw some shoulders, we saw some neck, <laughs> but we, we really didn't get to see that. And people felt like that they were robbed of that. Um, but yeah, um, I'm, I'm definitely glad that it's here. I'm glad that more 
black women writers and directors yeah are on the playground now on the stage now and giving these giving the shot yeah absolutely um yeah. i know for me i loved the fact that by the end of the movie because you you noticed how you made the comment of anti-hero if yeah. this was back in 92 i think you would have just had villain you know yes so yes. it's interesting how this movie flipped that and yeah. i appreciated it because for me as a black man it felt more real okay. and you know there there were some people who took issue with finding out that there have been different variations of Candyman. But to me, it makes sense, you know? Okay. And okay. It, it very much fits into the story of what it is that has happened to us. Because that's, that's why at the end of the movie, you get to see, and I don't want to make it simple, but this very black and white thing, and black and white on different levels, you know? Because sure. it's like, I was killed because I made love to this white woman. And that's what bothered me about the original film was that you're killing black people. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> but it was a white mob that did this to you, you know? So it's like to see this movie and then to find out that it was these other black men that were killed in this way by white hands, you know? And yeah. so they, they are then taken over by. So I'm like, this made sense to me. And you know, people were confused as far as what happened with Yaya, but I'm like, you do get that the final, the thing that truly did kill him were white cops because yeah. they were like you know well it wasn't white people that it but i was like but it was he was on death's door prior however yeah. what really took him out were the white cops because they yeah. didn't get why Candyman wanted him i'm like well Candyman originally wanted him because correct me if i'm wrong he was supposed to be a sacrifice to him in the first movie right yeah. yes right so it was like okay Candyman's like i ain't forget um so <laughs> it's like i still want you you know <laughs> Um, so it just so happens that for Candyman, it was like, well, this is perfect because you end up being killed by white cops. Well, that fits completely with my narrative. So <laughs> come on in, you know. Um, but by the end of the movie, the way that you reacted to Candyman at the end of the 1992 film is different from this one. Because, it, you know, she calls on him and it's like, OK, that's where you get the whole antihero thing. So I've had some friends who have said to me they don't know how. The First of all, personally, I don't need a sequel. I think that this is beautiful the way that it was and you can leave it be. But for those who feel as though, you know, there could be a sequel, there are those who argued that there couldn't be. I think it still could be, you know? Okay. Um, and I feel like there are different directions that you could go in. I don't think that there needs to be one, but I think that there are a lot of stories that you can tell in this new way of looking at him, you know? Um, and I like antiheroes because they're still able to be shades of gray. So while there are lots of people who believe that if it was to come back as black people, we would have no choice but to see him as a hero. Yes, yes. Um, and, and you know what? I it's, it's, it's good that you thought, like, said that in, in, the, in the multitude of Candyman's. At first, I had an issue with it. But now when you're talking about possible sequels and, and trequels and all that good stuff, now I think about it differently because, like, for me, for Candyman and the original, to go from this evil spirit who terrorizes everybody, but specifically black people in a black community, to now being this heroine, this hero of black people, it kind of I'm kind of conflicted now because it's like, okay, well, what about the stuff you did in night in the nineties and the seventies? Right. But if you think about it as there are multiple candy men with different personalities and different origin stories, then okay, yeah, 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 specific one, he is more of an anti-hero who right. is a hero for black people. Whereas Tony Todd is an equal opportunity 
Uh, yeah. Exactly. There we go. There we go. You know, because old dude that was killed downstairs by the laundry room, he was the one going after Yaya. You know, so that's who uh, Yaya was seeing throughout the whole movie was this guy. But it was because he wanted him. So the thing is, it may have not been Tony Todd's Candyman that wanted him. It was the Candyman that existed before Yaya. You know, so it's like Yaya is. He's like, you're the one who saw me in that basement, you know, so I'm coming after you. You're the one who I want to take my place. You understood the plight. You saw it with your own eyes, you know, so I want you to be the one who takes over now. So and, and that's the reason why I'm glad that you brought that up, because people aren't seeing that this is coming from the lens of different Candymen. Like mm. you said, the original one from what was it, the 1800s? Equal opportunity, you know, everybody can get it, you know, (laughs) where it's like with with the one that came right before Yaya, he's like, but that's not the way that I operate. Yeah. So, of course, now, you know, in 2020, 2019, whenever they say the movie takes place, Yaya, of course, from his point of view, he sees things totally different. So mm-hmm. he may be like, it's only white people who are going to catch this now. So <laughs> that's it, you know? But yeah. that is the reason why if you were to make another movie and if it was still Yaya, there could still be negative things that people may not agree with. Because sure. you could go into this, you know, sequel, prequel, whatever it would be considered, assuming that he's only going after white people. But yes. you know him and you know the infant stages of Candyman, who knows if there's still humanity there. And that could be something we find out, you know? So he yeah. could end up attacking somebody who's black, but from the audience's point of view, we just wanted to see white people getting killed, you know? So it's like, <laughs> you didn't go on and kill the black person, but the narrative they could tell is that, which we were never able to see in the, the previous 1992 movie, is that as you are Candyman, there is a transformation that is taking place. So some mm. of your humanity is still there because we're only in maybe the first three or four years of you being him, you know? Yeah. So it's like there's a possibility that some of who he was is still there and he's battling that. And that's what you can see in the movie. That is that is an excellent point because I actually have a video where I, I think I may I think I may come out with it where I'm gonna compare the 1992 one and this one. Mm-hmm. But you made me I don't know. I think you course corrected some of my points. <laughs> you make you make you make it some great some great points. <laughs> That's what we're here for. We're here here to help each other. Here to help each other. (laughs) So I wanted to, um, I wanted to veer off into another topic, still uh, sticking with black cinema. And I wanted to talk about Black Panther 2. Okay. And what your expectations are. I'm not sure how much you're into, you know, like YouTube videos and watching reviews and all of that stuff. But being somebody who's one really into watching reviews, really into watching, like there's a woman, I don't know if you're familiar with her. Her name is uh, Grace Randolph. And Mm -hmm. she hosts something called, uh, Lord knows, this is the first time I've ever lost the name of what it is. And I'm not going to be satisfied until I go and find it for myself. But uh, she does a lot of reviews on YouTube. And I really like watching them because she's really serious about getting into like the money and all of that stuff. And she mm-hmm. has connections into the industry. So she they give her all types of things beyond the trailer. That's what it's called, beyond the trailer. Okay. So when you get the chance to look her up, um, it's a white woman. But she, I get a lot of my news from her. And so I found out a lot about Black Panther, uh, who are supposed to be the villains, the way that they're going about doing who is going to replace Chadwick Boseman, all that stuff. 
So I wanted to ask you, when it comes to the sequel, what are some things that you're expecting? The good, some things that you wouldn't like to see, all that. Um, you know what? It's, it's, it's funny that you asked me this because I have a video um, on my platform of talking about how that even though it, it may, some may feel like it's too early, and it, it may be too early, but I, I really feel that in this MCU still that um, Black Panther should be recast. I know Shuri eventually gets the mantle, mm -hmm. but um, basically I, I, I feel like the character of Black Panther had been waiting since the mid 1960s on the back burner to hit the silver screen. And I feel like with all of the hard work and the sacrifices that people made for Chadwick to be in that eventual position, mm -hmm. I feel like we do him a disservice and we do all those people who sacrificed for him at Howard University and Denzel fronting him this money to get this, this extra training on the side overseas for him not to be further pursued um, because there's so many powers um, and quite frankly, uh, a exposition that we haven't seen of Black Panther in the rest of Wakanda for him to be dropped like this. You know what I mean? I feel like there's a respectful way to transfer the mantle to Chad from Chadwick to, to someone else. Um, but to be honest, as far as the new film, I'm not sure entirely what I want to see. Like, I know I want to see a good, a great movie. I want to see yeah. a good movie. And if Shuri is going to be Black Panther, I just want it to be written well. I want it to be produced well. I want it to be just as good as the first one, if if not better. Right. I'm not entirely sure. I'm trying to go into it with minimal to no expectations so I can enjoy it, you know, yeah. because I, I went into the first one um, with a little bit of the comic book that I've read and also the animated series that I've seen that BT have shown, which is excellent. It is. Um, I went into it with a lot of expectation. And I still enjoyed it, which yeah. which speaks to how good good that movie is. Mm -hmm. um, for for this one, I just want to try to go into it for blank slate, and just just see a good story. Yeah, one of the things that I like that, uh, and I, I've had an evolution of thought when it comes to recasting T'Challa, so I'll get to that. But the first thing I was going to say is that I like what Grace said. I don't know how you would feel about it. But okay. Grace, and I mean, she she was honest and I appreciated her honesty on this. She said, we have to be real with ourselves. If we make a woman Black Panther, that's going to turn away a lot of people, you know? Sure. She sure. was like, I don't, li I don't like saying that as a woman, I don't like saying that. But from a box office point of view, people want to see a man at the mantle. So sure. she was like, I think to make everybody happy, you should have two. Mm. So I'm not necessarily sure how I feel, you know, about the idea of two of them, but I do get what she's saying as far as wanting to make sure that there is an audience at the same level as it was for the original one. Now, my evolution of thought when it comes to T'Challa, originally I was on the complete opposite side of you. I was like, I don't think there needs to be another person. I think that would be disrespectful to him. Allow it to go. Sure, he was supposed to be it anyway. I also was of the mind that, <clears throat> that we could bring back Killmonger, you know? Um, and I made up an entire story in my head. In my head, um, Namor is supposed to be the villain for the upcoming sequel. Mm -hmm. So with Namor being the villain and with them seemingly going uh, with him being let's next, it's like, okay, they're now redoing the idea of uh, Atlantis. 
and Atlantis is supposed to be more so like um, uh, Latinx uh, community. Or what What was it? I forgot what the, the lost city was that you could find in like Mexico or something like that. I forgot what it was. But they're supposed to be calling it that, you know? Okay. And so that whole community is going to be Latinx is under, uh, underwater. Okay. So I'm like, with them going after that, uh, Killmonger asked to be put in the sea. So he was put in the sea, and that's the last time we saw him. You know, for all we know, he could have lived through whatever that stabbing was, you know, that he received from T'Challa, and then Namor found him and brought him back to life, you know? So, yeah, and I'm like, so that's what I was thinking. Immediately when they said Namor was going to be the villain of the movie, I'm like, well, he could bring him back, and you could be under the impression that he either has, um, has mental control over Killmonger, or Killmonger feels as though he needs to come back and attack them because he was killed by T'Challa. And then you have this whole scenario of his journey throughout the movie to where he realizes that they're the enemy. You know, Atlantis is the true enemy. And then he fights alongside Wakanda to be able to get back at them. I just would love to see Killmonger either as just Killmonger or as the new Black Panther. But my evolution of thought to what you said is that the perfect way for this to happen because I just didn't want there to be somebody else taking the place like you're you're watching a daytime soap <laughs> one person's fired and then somebody comes walking onto the cast and you're like it looked nothing like him what are you talking about or Aunt Viv where it's yeah. like she was a dark-skinned woman really you know <laughs> I don't want to see that have a Shamar Moore come walking onto Black Panther um but the MCU has already given a way out because in, you know, what is this? Uh, it's not called version four, not chat, phase four. In yes. phase four, it's all about the multiverse. So they've given it to us on a silver platter. T'Challa can come from another universe. So we yeah. still get to have T'Challa. He just may not be the T'Challa that was living in that world. Then you have a whole journey that could be in part three of his family having to get used to the fact that this wasn't our T'Challa, but it is T'Challa, you know? Um, So I think that will be a great storyline and a way for people. Everyone gets to be happy. It's not for those who don't want to see it seeming like it's somebody new being brought into Earth One or whatever it's called. We still get to have that. And people who want to have T'Challa back and they don't want to, you know, like you said, everything that Chadwick Boseman did, we want to know that at least T'Challa still gets to exist. You get to have him brought from a different world, you know. So I'm, I'm hoping that they move forward with that. I know they said that Kevin Feige doesn't want to move forward with another T'Challa. But if we're thinking of um, where we go as far as the MCU in the future and being able to do this with the multiverse, then they can move in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and also, like, in my video, I mean, he's a little bit on the older side. Yeah. But I would love for a... Um, I don't know if you know the brother Jaiman Hansu. Mm-hmm. Even though I'm already in the MCU as somebody else, so that's yeah. complicated. But you know that he voiced uh, Black Panther on the animated mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, like, I feel for him, like, when I visualize who Black Panther is, it's Jaiman Hansu in my mind. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I think he will be the perfect Black Panther. Um, but, yeah, like, like for me especially when, when digging into Black Panther, who he is, like him, us not being able to see him be a necromancer and, and what that means for Black people and the ancestors. You know yeah. what I mean? I feel there's so much digging left that can be, uh, that, that that can happen. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? With specifically T'Challa. And I feel like there's a way we can play T'Challa out and dig into his character on all floor, uh, all floors. And then with uh, Shuri, then then if she were to eventually take the, the mantle, then it's truly, truly hers. Right. And we can totally dig into her character when, when the time presents itself. Yeah. 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 I, I hope that they just do right by the story because yeah. this was a major moment for Black people, you know? A major, major moment. And we were, you know, hit with a loss that none of us expected. And I just want them to do right by it. You know, yeah. I just want them to do right. Because this is, if they thought that people came out for the first one, they ain't seen nothing. Oh my God. They ain't seen nothing. Like to, to be able to properly pay tribute, even if, cause my, my thing is, I want all of us going into this. I don't want them to show it on the commercials, honestly. I want us to get T'Challa and to not to know T'Challa's coming. That's what I want. Mm. I want us to go to see the movie with some of us under the impression, oh man, you know, it's like we won't get to see T'Challa anymore, but we're still going to support anyway. And then towards the end of the movie, the multiverse happens and you end up yeah. seeing them. I don't want them to do it in, I don't want them to do it in the, um, at the trailers leading up to it. Because you know in Endgame, because they've done videos in this, the reaction in Endgame <laughs> when Captain America's standing there and he, you know, calls Milner to him and he's like, Avengers Assemble, the way the audience goes up, you know? Yes. I know that we will have that if T'Challa shows up in this movie and nobody's expecting him to, you know? So that's why I'm like, I, I would love for them to move in that direction because once you see that, it's going to make people go in droves to want to see it, you know? Everyone's going to be like, dude, because you, you know no, they're not going to be able to keep it off the internet. Twitter's going to be booming. With <laughs> I think they're going to blow the first one out of the water when that happens. Um, yeah. But as far as talking about being able to celebrate life, you know, and the way that something can hit a community, the last thing I wanted to talk to you about was Michael K. Williams' passing. But... Also, the importance of being your authentic self. Like Chadwick Boseman when he passed away, there are a lot of people that celebrated the passing of Michael K. Williams. And one of the things that I loved about him, because of course, you know, with Chadwick and with a, a, many other people who did a lot of good in this world, there were beautiful things that were said about them. I don't know why Michael K. hit me differently though. Like the, the stories that I listened to from people seemed so specifically personal you know and there are a lot of people that because I'm, I'm one of these people i'll just share it with you travis <laughs> i'm one of these people that i'm like everybody can't be nice come on now <laughs> every funeral you go to you get the same line they were such a wonderful person so caring so nice great <laughs> i've already let my parents know if I get on that podium at your funeral, I'm going to let everybody know I love you. You were wonderful, but you were not perfect. You know? Because yes. I'm like, it bothers me that I feel like we, we do them a disservice if we, if we make it seem like they were just black and white. This is what they were. They were good or they were, they were always good. I'm sorry. I can't even say black and white. They were always good. This yeah. damn person who murdered like <laughs> eight families. Oh, he was such a wonderful person, you know? Um, so, but it's like with Michael K. Williams and listening to people talk about him, 
you can see that he was a genuinely good person. And I think that that goodness probably came from the battles that he went through in his life earlier. Yeah. And that's what I want to see. I want to see people being able to be like, he fought through his demons, you know, everything that he went through, wanting to kill himself, all of this stuff. And all of that brought out this extremely caring, gener generous, genuine person who just wanted to help his community, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's what it looks like to be authentic self. And so before I, you know, pass it to you so you can share how you feel, that's the reason why I love Tupac so much. You know, mm -hmm. I don't even get into the whole, you know, battle about who was better, Tupac and Biggie and all that stuff. Because in my mind, I see them as two totally different individuals. For Tupac, the reason why I loved him is because he was so publicly flawed. Mm -hmm. And I loved being able to see that, you know? There were, he angered a whole lot of people with things that he did and what he said. But to me, that was human. And the yeah. same way you saw these quote unquote mistakes that he made, you also saw the good in him. And there were a lot of people like Jada who can talk about that good that he did, all the things he did behind the scenes that nobody knew about until he was dead, you know? Mm -hmm. So th that's the kind of person that I respect, that I admire, that I look up to, are these flawed individuals that you can see they weren't perfect, but you could still see the love and the humanity in them, you know? So what do you think that it means to, the importance of being your authentic self in the public eye? Um, I think it's being true to who you are and, and, and even though that can be, that can be terrifying, you know, I, I think about even with my personal and content creation, there's a lot of videos that I've come out with recently that I would have been afraid to, uh, to come out with four years ago, three years mm. ago. So. And, you know, just saying bump it, you know, like people can like it or dislike it. Um, with, I, I think overall, when I think about Michael K. Williams and the like, like uh, uh, other brothers like DMX and, and you know, and, and other black men in hip hop and just in pop culture, just in general, I just wish we would live longer. Like I wish, you know, that uh, you, you talk about being immersed in mental health. Like I just really wish there was not only a financial parachute for us, but a mental health, I don't know if it's a group. I don't, I don't know what, what that would look like, but yeah. when we hear brothers like Kid Cudi and, and, and Michael K. Williams go have bouts of depression, you know what I mean? Go in and out of isolation. I wish there was something there to a way that they're in a circle or we could love on them Mm -hmm. and let them know they're not alone. Let them know we have the same thoughts as well. Please go get your, your, your regular checkups at the doctor and live longer, not only for us so we can benefit from who you are and what your art is, but so you can just be here. You know what right, I mean? For right, yourself. right. You know what I mean? And, 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 and I know specifically for us, um, just in the black community, just in general, um, having mental issues, has not been celebrated, ha have not been, not, not been celebrated, but have not been highlighted and uh, accepted. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't even think, even when I was growing up, I was born in 88, depression didn't exist in the black household. You know right. what I mean? Was you're being lazy, get mm -hmm. up. You, you have chores to do, you have assignments to do, you have X, Y, and Z to do. You know, anxiety didn't exist, Right. you know? Um, and I, I, I think, in this Google era and in this social media era, we just need to continue to push forward that mental health is vital. You know, yeah. that emotional health is vital. And it shouldn't be, especially like Michael K. Williams, in my mind, ideally, 
he passes away at least 70 and above around family. You know what I mean? Around yeah. friends, not in a loft apartment alone. That yeah. is tragic. That is that is fucking tragic. You know what I mean? Um, and I, I I wish that uh you know we stop dying so young. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 the, I think the thing I think the thing that breaks my heart so much is like you said, you know, in his seventies around family, you know, around yeah. friends, people who care about him. He was loved. Yes. You know? And so I'm like, I don't think many, I don't think many really get the depth of depression, you know, the depth of sadness, you know, the thoughts of and suicidal ideations, you know, it's like, I don't really think people get the depth of these things. And I don't, I don't like the term check on your strong friends. I would rather say check on your friends, you know, yeah, period, yeah. you know? Um, cause it's like, even though you're thinking the people who may not be talking about it are the strong people, you don't know that, you know, <laughs> it's, it's like, we need to be checking on everybody. Even I fall short of that. You know, um, yeah. I tell myself I'm going to hit somebody up and then a week goes by and I still haven't. And yeah. it's like, let's just make sure a simple text message is enough, you know, mm -hmm. because we don't know just how serious it can get. There are a lot of things, Travis, that we may share with each other. There are things that are going on in our head that we never say anything about. Mm -hmm. And if we could just go get to a point where mental health is, it's just a regular thing for us to discuss. It's no big deal whatsoever. You know, I sent a text message to Travis, like, you all good? You know, mentally, emotionally. Uh, one of my friends, Don Ye, and he hasn't done it in a while, but he would send text messages out to all of us asking how we were doing mentally, spiritually, physically, emotionally, all that stuff. And I loved it. It was a really, really good check-in. Um, and so we would hit him back, letting him know how we were doing in each of those. I would ask him how he's doing too. And I'm like, I think that that should become a regular thing for Black men to do. People in general, you know, but especially yeah. when it comes to Black men, I think that it's something that we should start doing on a regular basis, checking in. Because the, the, the truth is, is that we don't know will that what, what that would do for somebody on any day. You know, yeah. I used to send, I don't know if you ever received it because I don't know how long ago we exchanged phone numbers. But back in the day, a few years ago, I used to send out inspirational text messages to people. I've definitely, re I've definitely received some of them. Which I okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I stopped doing it. You know, people have come back to me throughout the years. And they're like, why don't you do it anymore? I was exhausted. You know, like I was like, I'm going through so much myself that I can't, I'm empty, you know? Yeah. So it's like, in order for me to be able to give y'all, I need to be filled. So, but in, in, in that vein, I would send those messages out to anyone in my phone. There yeah. were men and women who I didn't even deal with no more. And they would respond back like, oh shit, <laughs> I thought you blocked me, got rid of my phone number. And I'm like, no, in my mind, even if we don't deal with each other, that doesn't mean you don't deserve love. You yes. Know? yes. So that's how I feel about this. It could be people in our phone that we ain't talked to in maybe a year or two. But we can still send something out, you know, like, how are you doing, blah, blah, blah. And we don't, <laughs> I was about to say, I don't need for this to, you know, we don't got to talk every day, but I guess that would be rude. But um, it's like, hopefully they would get the vibe. Like, okay, I'm not trying to reconnect. I just want to make sure that you're good, you know? Yeah. That's the thing. Like, can we just make it a regular thing to check on each other? You feel me? 
Yes, and, and you know what? And, and, and you, you brought up a you, you hit a you hit a key in me, um, specifically with artists, right? I think we have to know that we're worthy even when we aren't creating mm. and a- actively creating because we're always creating when we're yeah. we're not when we're not actively creating because so much of our worth being seen in public is tied to us promoting a project or living out a project and after that project and when everybody goes home when the lights turn off you know when the curtain closes we have to deal with who we are and a lot of us don't know that um we're still worthy even when we're not you know being an active artist and i I wish that i think that's another place another refuge that artists need like hey like you're, you're still a human being you're still worthy of of love even when when you're not being the alias right you know yes absolutely 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 okay yeah <laughs> so in this conversation just in this this last conversation i got an idea that i want to run by you offline okay. but yeah this this is this is important and i love that one two things two things I love that it came full circle about being your authentic self because the first thing we started off with was Lil Nas X. So I love that we came back around full circle to, you know, the beauty of being your authentic self. But also this is a mental health podcast. So for the end of our conversation to be on that, I think is a perfect little way to bring it to its conclusion. Um, So first, for those who would like to, I don't say follow, I say walk with, for those okay. who would like to walk with you on social media, how can they go about doing that? Um, you can find me um, at I am Travis Case on most of everything. Um, and the company that I co-own is Mason Diction Entertainment. So you can find me there. I'm usually more active on um, TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter more so than YouTube. I've been trying to carry on everything that I've produced on the other social medias to YouTube as well. So are your uh, are your handles different according to where they find you or is your handle the same across the board? On on everything except YouTube, um, I am Travis Case. On YouTube, um, it's Mason Diction Entertainment. Gotcha, okay. Thank you so much for being on the Healing Space four year anniversary. It is greatly appreciated, Black man. Thank um, you. Everybody, make sure that you are walking with this brother on social media. You will enjoy what it is that you see, what you listen to. Great things are coming for him. We will be right back with good news. And now it is time for good news. I would like to once again thank Travis for being here and visiting the Misfit Universe. (laughs) I greatly appreciate that brother. And, um... All of the great work that he's putting out there into the world. Um, the good news is also that I'm okay. And also that this is the four year anniversary. To think that I started the healing space my first year of living here in Atlanta and that we are at four years now. Um, I look back now at the last few months and I was really good with not doing the podcast, but in just, you know, being back recording, I realized that I did miss it. I did. Uh, And I know that I normally 
go away in October, but with so much time gone, I'm not sure if that will be the case this time. I think the beauty of this time around is that I don't feel beholden to anything when it comes to being a creative uh, or business. I'm in a place right now for my mental health and wellness where I am doing my best to listen to my therapist and just going with the flow, which is very new for me. <laughs> it's very new for me. Uh, the idea of not attempting to have control and just going. If I decide that I'm going to do an episode, you know, I'll reach out to those who I would like to be a guest on the show and then just go from there. If I decide that I'm not going to do another episode for four to five months, then I just won't, you know? Uh, one of the things that I loved about disconnecting was the amount of stress and worry that went away. And I'm in a place again, you know, as I've returned, where thinking about doing certain things has me there. And I'm just like, no, the good news is, is that you don't have to. Um, I went on to Instagram and I saw one of my friends had posted a picture and underneath the picture, you couldn't see how many people liked it. Oh my goodness. If you only understood, like I was like, I have to find out how they did that. And so I Googled it cause I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> I Googled it and found out and I went to my account and I changed it. So I'm not able to see whatever their numbers are and then people can't see what my numbers are and the relief like and you and I can only speak for myself I didn't know how that would get to me you know the competitive Scorpios that, that I am I didn't realize how much that would get to me when I would see the amount of likes that different people would receive as opposed to the ones that I would get I was one of those people you know I was tapped into that specific matrix. And so I'm thankful that they've made that an option where you don't have to see it. It feels I can honestly admit when I go onto Instagram and I scroll down, it's so good not having that option. You just enjoy the picture or the caption for what it is and you keep it pushing. But that's what I'm saying. You know, I'm I'm in a space where the good news is, is that I'm finding ways to remove a lot of my stressors. Not completely there yet, you know. Uh, in the time that I've been gone, there have been one or two uh, new major stressors that have come about that I need to take care of. But otherwise, yeah. Yeah, I'm doing the work. I really, really am. So that's the good news. Um, I wanted to once again remind everyone that this coming Friday, Black Gay Stuck at Home is going to have a uh, screening of strange fruit so if you haven't already this uh, goes up on wednesday uh the 22nd and black gay stuck at home is on the 24th of friday so if you're listening to this the day of you still have time to go to bgsah.com so that you can rsvp asap all those letters um <laughs> uh yeah that's about it that's about it. I had all of these ideas while I was uh, while I was bringing myself back online about what I would want to do for the four-year anniversary. 
And I said, I think the best way for me to one, show up for myself, but also to show the growth of myself and the direction that I want to take the podcast is that to keep it really minimal, you know, really minimal. I was explaining to one of my friends earlier tonight when they was asking, you know, they they asked me how much work goes into your editing. And I began to break everything down to them. You know, I said, some people I know when they do podcasts, literally they turn the microphone on, they record, and then they turn the microphone off. And that's the podcast. I began to break down to him everything that I do as far as, you know, the music in the background and the transitions and the theme songs and all this stuff. And he was like, that's the reason why you're up so late at night. Yes, it is. (laughs) Yes, it is. Um, That's not going to (laughs) end. I can be honest with myself about that. (laughs) Production is just too important to me. So I'm not going to stop that. But as far as the length I think this is as long as it is because this is the anniversary, but when I looked at the numbers for uh, respite, which was the brief healing that I did before uh, before taking my time off, it's the, the most numbers we've ever had for one episode ever. And I never thought that we would get higher than the numbers that we had the very first time Daryl was on the show and the very first time Blair was on the show. But this one blew all of those episodes out of the water. And that episode was only 27 minutes long. So I'm like, maybe that's the direction, you know, (laughs) maybe the good news is, is that I'm going to keep things short moving forward. (laughs) We'll see, though, you know, because according to how good the conversation is, I may not have a choice. And I mean, of course, I have a choice, but, you know, I don't want to edit out good conversation because I think it's necessary for the misfits to hear it. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I think once again in this moment, I'm attempting to have some type of control instead of just letting things go. (laughs) Maybe letting things go is me not attempting to control how long the episodes will be, but just allowing the content to pour out. You know, whether it's 27 minutes or two hours and 27 minutes, just let the show be what it's going to be. Look, I'm growing as I record, Um, (laughs) but I'm going to go. Uh, I would like to thank all of you for being on this journey with me for the past four years. If this is the first time you've listened to the podcast, welcome to the Misfit Universe. Welcome to what I hope can be a healing space for you as it has been for me. So you all take care and hopefully I'll see you soon. Until next time, I love you all so much. Namaste. Namaste.